Georgia trying to shake off Starks. Oh, what a move by in here, I'm supposed to be the franchise player, and we're in here talking about practice. Lead pass to Tim Hill, David Zenon, my man, how you doing? I'm great, brother. How you doing, man? Doing good, man. Always good to hear from you. Welcome to the Retro Room, um, a new platform where I create some dialogue, some topics about throwback retro NBA basketball. Because uh, you know me, man. I'm tired of hearing about the Warriors, the Rockets, Harden, Curry, Durant, LeBron, the Lakers. So I figured, why not create something where I could bring my close friends and people who I know in the in the industry to come on and talk about some throwback topics that either you know we think are are dope to talk about fun could kind of give you that you know what if this happened stuff from back in the day and kind of remember those players and those those moments from back in the day so this is episode six i believe if not it's episode seven which one it is we'll figure it out um but i have you on because we are in the middle are, are going to be in the middle of march madness uh we have the conference tournaments going on now and i'm the first couple shows that haven't done anything related to college basketball, and I figured, why not? Because in the last week or two, I've been seeing these debates of, um, you know, who had the best college run, who had the better college run, and some names were like Carmelo Anthony in Syracuse in 03, Kimball Walker in UConn in 2011, Stephen Curry with Davidson in uh, 09, even way back with Christian Leitner and Duke in 92. I know there's other ones like Magic in 79 with Michigan State and even Danny Manning in 87 with Kansas. But that's, that's before my time. I was, wasn't even born and I wasn't even a basketball fan at that time. So I figured I have you on. You are a, a trainer for NBA and college athletes. So you're the guy I go to for college basketball. Uh, before, we get, before I go any further, welcome to the show, man. My man, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Anytime, man. Uh, you can follow David on Twitter at DavidZenon1 and Instagram at I am David Zenon. So um, right off the bat, before I go into the real the real crust of the information, when I when you when you hear Carmelo, Syracuse 03, Kimba, Yukon 2011, Curry, Davidson 09, Leitner, Duke 92, what goes through your mind? All great runs. Uh, two out of those three teams were national champ. Well, the Leitner team, they won. So three out of those four won national championship. Uh, Curry's team didn't, obviously. But, mm. I mean, respectively, you got to go right off the top of my head in terms of the greatest run or magical run. I, I'm thinking UConn 2011. 
just because they needed to win all four, you know, four games in a row to get to uh, no five games in a row to get to the tournament. You know, they needed to win the Big East in order to just get into the tournament. And the cast that they had, you know, later on, those players kind of filled in their roles respectively. But, you know, you got Shabazz Napier as a freshman, you know, Jeremy Lamb as a freshman. I mean, Alex Oriaki, he was, you know, a senior, not, you know, not much of a score, but he was a good big man. Of course, then you got Kemba Walker, you know, and Kemba just put the team on his back. You know, he was unstoppable. You know, I just think that the Syracuse team that Mello was on, you know, they didn't need to win the tournament. You know, they didn't win the Big East in order to get into the tournament. And I believe they were a three seed, you know, and Kemba's team, you know, they, were, they weren't they were ranked uh, too high. They weren't too high of a seed. So I think the Kemba run was the most magical one in terms of just winning the national championship. Now, Curry's team, Davidson, I mean, yeah, if they won the national championship, <laughs> I would say, that that theory had the most magical run Mm -hmm. you know curry was just going crazy uh, in that tournament and i mean the first you know when you first see it when he knocked off georgetown you know everyone's like okay you know that that upset was you know possible but then you know he was you know he was going up against kansas and had them on the ropes you know to get to the final four they made it to the elite eight Mm -hmm. you know and they were just one jump shot away from getting to the final four yeah. And just throughout that entire season, you know, he was putting up these crazy numbers, you know, even when he was at, I believe they had a regular season game against West Virginia where he kind of put everybody on notice. And then another game against Carolina where, you know, everyone was like, okay, this kid's legit. So, I mean, all in all, that UConn run, because they won the chip, uh, then I'd go Syracuse and then I'd go Davidson. You know, that 92 Duke team, you know, they were loaded. <laughs> they were like one of the, the I think yeah. they arguably are the top, you know, two greatest teams of all time. So, you know, it's kind of like expected, you know, they, they got the 91 team, you know, they went back to back uh, the 90, the 92 squad, but you know, that 91 team avenged the loss to UNLV and then the 92, you know, they ended up beating Michigan. But um, yeah, man, I, I got to go with UConn. They, they weren't supposed to win anything. <laughs> Okay. They, they had no roster whatsoever. Mm. So before we get into the you know the main information from each of those four runs, um, I want to ask you 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 know you've been watching college ball for so long more than way more than me. I want to ask you, um, was there who was the player who was what was the game what what was the team that you know when you were younger that made you that got you into watching college basketball or was it something that you heard and somebody said, hey, man, you got to watch this this person play for me? Again, I don't watch college basketball all the time, but I remember, uh, you know, like my brother and I, we would watch Jason Kidd um, in California, California Bears, like, like 11, 12 midnight. And I was mm-hmm. like, you know, I, then eventually J- Jason Kidd became my favorite point guard of all time because I saw him from that time in his prime until he retired. So seeing those kind of games with him at midnight here in New York, I was like, you know, I again, I didn't know who everybody was, but I grew to love Jason Kidd because of what I was watching um, on ESPN those nights. So Jason Kidd was probably the guy that really made me see or watch college basketball. I'm, I'm not going to stand here and say Jordan was because Jordan was winning – a title before I was like born and stuff like that. So that'd be stupid to say, but 
um, very a lot of notable uh, college athletes came out in that time. But for me, with Jason Kidd, California Bears, who was the player? What was the game? What was the moment that, that made you say, you know what, I got to start watching NCAA basketball? Well, I became a Duke fan when I was four years old uh, because I was watching the game between Kentucky and Duke where Leitner hit the jump shot. Ah, and, you know, okay. when you're young – you're that young you kind of go with the team that wins so in the back of my <laughs> yeah. mind i'm just watching the, <laughs> i'm just watching the game and um you know in the back of my mind i'm saying you know whoever wins this game i'm gonna root for them you know from now on you know my pops likes duke but uh you know when i'm young i'm just watching this game go back and forth back and forth back and forth and of course leitner hits you know the greatest shot <laughs> uh of all time i guess uh, in duke history so I became a Duke fan from that moment on. I've been a Duke fan since I was four years old. Mm. But the player that got me hooked onto college basketball, you know, it, there's there were a couple players back in the day where mm -hmm. I was, you know, getting to high school, and I really, really got uh, hooked onto it. But you know, Elton Brand when he was at Duke. You know, I had a personal connection with him, knowing his family members from Westchester. Mm -hmm. You know, so I was obviously a big Elton Brand fan. And, of course, because he was a Duke guy, it was twice as well. But the local product as well, Marcus Hatton, when he was at St. John's, he was a monster. And um, then, of course, Carmelo Anthony at Syracuse. I wanted to be like Melo. You know, I had the cornrows, the headband. <laughs> <laughs> I had the socks. I had everything, bro. I was right. I wore number 15 in high school just because of Melo. So he was my favorite. He's my favorite college player slash NBA scorer of all time. I love Melo. That's my guy. So uh, that was the guy that got me hooked in terms of playing more, not just watching it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that, you know, Marcus Hatton, Melo, you know that early 2000s era was like mm -hmm. that was that was it for me man i kind of i just kind of fell in love with it and of course you know when you watch duke it's not like they had a lot of guys back then that were like super iso players but jay will mm -hmm. you know that was like the first guy i remember in a long time that coach was just letting rock you know what i mean so right jay, jay will was another dude that i was like okay I, I i like this i dig it yeah and you know duke duke always had a roster no matter it was Leitner Grant Hill Bobby Hurley um you know you mentioned Elson Brand Battier it just they always found somebody to go to that school um you know Jay Will uh um, Corey McGetty Corey McGetty uh but also uh, alongside Jason Kidd I do remember maybe like once or twice I'm not I'm not gonna say I saw the whole thing but like I saw the highlights of like Shaq and uh LSU Chris, Jack mm -hmm. Chris Jackson with LSU before he came, uh, he became Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf. And um, I mean, I think every fan would probably say the Fab Five. I mean, the Fab Five would just, oh know, yeah, the yeah. roster that changed the game, the attitude, the atmosphere, the baggy shorts and the black sneakers with the black socks and, um, you know, rocking the, the Hirachi that, you know, became famous. So for me, you can add the Jason Kidd stuff with the, with the Fab Five, a, a sprinkle of Shaq at LSU, uh, Mahmoud and um, LSU, and I, you know, I di I do recall seeing Duke uh, in that time with the shot against Kentucky in that um, Elite Eight game, and trying to see if there's anybody else. But I think that would have, and I think a little, 
sprinkle of the the UNLV running rebels with LJ. I think that was really the heyday of like my time growing up watching college basketball. Yeah, I mean, being also being Latin, you know, there weren't a lot of like Spanish players that would just jump off the screen. But do you remember a guy? He played at Temple. Hmm. Uh, his name was Pepe Sanchez. He, oh, he was a nice sound, point guard, but like he sound familiar. He was yeah. A, yeah, he was one of those kind of guys that like I watch. I'll I'll watch basketball here and there. You know, when you're young, you kind of just. You know, the NBA took everything by storm then back then, too. You know, Jordan and all those other guys. But, yeah, mentioning the Fab Five, you know, they made it They made it cool to have the baggy clothes and, like, you know, the black socks and just they had such a swagger about them. So, yeah, they, you know, they, they made everybody pay attention to, to college basketball once again. Right. I mean, I mean, also, and, of course, AI, Georgetown, I mean, I think that goes without oh, saying. Yeah. So, him, um... Kenny A and Georgia Tech. I mean, I can go on and on, but I think the real crust of me just watching college ball would be the Fab Five, Jason Kidd and Shaq. Um, so you, uh, you know, earlier you mentioned you think the, the the UConn run is the greatest run by a team and by a player individual on that team. Um, we did mention UConn, mentioned Carmelo in uh, Syracuse in '03. Curry in 09 and later in 92. So that's like our time growing up and watching it. So I'm going to break it down to you. And I want to see if you're going to stick to UConn 2011. If you pick that, I th- 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 there's no wrong answer except the <laughs> fact that Curry did not win a national title that year. So he probably loses points with that. But still, he became a, a much bigger success story 10, year- 10 years later with the critics mm-hmm. of when he was coming out. Of, of Davidson, the critics of being undersized and better point guards in that draft. Look, I'm, you know, and I'll get to that, but I'm going to start with Melo 03. So for those who don't know, Melo did win the outstanding player of that tournament. They were ranked third, as you mentioned. Uh, they, they beat Manhattan, Oklahoma State, Auburn, Oklahoma, Texas, and eventually Kansas in the, the, the finals. He averaged 20 and 10. And... Um, and they lost to UConn in the Big East semis. So, um, I mean, right there. And, and the fact that Melo did this as a freshman. So, I, I'm pretty sure Kimball was not a freshman when this happened, nor, nor no. Leitner and nor Curry. So, freshman, national title, 20-10. and 10. Uh, Syracuse's first title ever. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, man. from, How do you from beat an that? individual standpoint, it's it's you gotta it's man, that's tough. Like you gotta <laughs> have to look at it from like the team from a team standpoint mm-hmm. and what they had to overcome. The UConn run is crazy. The Syracuse, in terms of individual, like Melo, also Jerry McNamara was a freshman. Hakeem right. Warwick was a sophomore. Mm. The only seniors they had on that team. Uh, they had a guy named Quest Duaney. He was uh, he was from Senegal, I believe, uh, number thirteen, small forward slash shooting guard. But he was really the only senior they had on the team. And they had another guy off the bench named Billy Etherlin, and a big man named uh, oh my goodness, Craig Forth. So they weren't really a great team in terms of just scoring load. I mean, Melo, Jerry, and Hakeem were the guys that were doing most of the scoring. 
So, yeah, from an individual standpoint, if it was just one player that I had to, like, you know, put everything on, yeah, Melo's it. But, man, yeah, you know, that's a tough one, bro. That Q's team wasn't that good. (laughs) They weren't that good now now that I think about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jerry, you know, Jerry McNamara went nuts in the championship game. Absolutely. You know, he had like six threes in the first half. And, um, man, and Quet Duane, had the game of his life. And they wouldn't win the championship if Hakeem Warwick didn't, you know, uh, block the the game-tying three in the corner. Right. So, you know, yeah, that, that – and Melo, Melo went berserk against Texas. I think he had like 33 in that game. So – yeah, individual. Yeah, I might have to go because even though Curry was putting up crazy numbers and Kemba put up crazy numbers and Leitner had a great supporting cast, the the things Melo did outside of just scoring too. You know, a lot of people see Melo as like you know this great jump shooter, which he was. Mm. But a lot of the scoring he did, he had a lot of stuff on the post. You know, they were trying to do a lot of stuff. You know, off the elbow and. He was getting established down there in the post, and he was a load. You know, he, as you said, he averaged 20 and 10. But that Texas game and the Auburn game was actually way closer than what people think. You know, I believe they only won that game by four points. It was like 57 53, mm. final score, something crazy like that. But, you know, he did, they did a great job with that zone, but the rest of that team wasn't good at all. And, um, yeah, man. I, I, you might be right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Before you start picking one right now, this is why True. I have the information. So you might say, yeah, Melo got it. But then when I read off Curry and Kemba and later, you'll be like, man, I, you know, I don't know. But um, True, true, true. <laughs> kind of you know, fast-forwarding a little bit, when you see the run that Carmelo had um, and the talent and the roster he, uh, he had, he comes out, he gets drafted by Denver at number three in that draft. Um and in that year, I think he averaged twenty. Uh, his rookie year, twenty-one, six and three. And eventually, LeBron James wins the Rookie of the Year, averaging twenty-one, six and six. Uh, Melo does take Denver to the to the playoffs as an eight seed, and the Cavaliers were nowhere near the playoffs. So I'm gonna ask you. I know you're a Melo guy, so you try to not be biased. But do you feel that Melo? should have been the rookie of the year in 2004 and not LeBron James. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't even, (laughs) look, Denver won 17 games a year before Melo got there, I believe. I believe so, yeah. they made the playoffs in the West. Back when the, like, I mean, the West is crazy now, but back then, like, you're talking about guys like, in their prime prime you know where the lakers were still together the spurs obviously were still together the spurs won a championship right and it's like he got the team to the playoffs they they obviously were the eighth seed and he averaged 20 in the west as a rookie and i get it lebron averaged 21 and you know if you're splitting hairs in terms of what they could have done but the Cavs didn't even make the playoffs and in terms of just the overall impact that Melo had with the rest of that team, as I said, they made the playoffs, but you, you got to look at the, the numbers of the other guys that were surrounding him at that time. I mean, who, I mean, who was the second leading scorer on the Nuggets team? 
Bro, I don't even. I I wouldn't even know unless I. I'm you know, right now. like N- Nene Hilario still had Nene Hilario. He wasn't Nene yet. <laughs> like it, wow, this, that's like that's the throwback throwback part of it. Like Melo was the guy that did everything for that team, and you know, wholeheartedly, as I said, he made he made the playoffs in the West. Yeah, it's it's incredible how people you know didn't you know they overlooked that you know. I mean, you know what? I'm looking for you. I'm looking for it right now because you mentioned Nene, and I'd be shocked if Nene is the second leading scorer on that roster. You know what? Andre Miller, 15 wow. a game, and Nene was third. Follow, no, Melo one, Andre Miller two, Vashawn Leonard three, Nene four, <laughs> Earl Boykins four. Five, and that's who they had with Camby, John Barry, Birdman, Francisco Elson, Rodney White, Doliak. Oh boy, Ryan Bowen, and that team made the playoff <laughs> as an eighth seed in the Western Conference. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's not even close, bro. Like, <laughs> I, I'm not even. It's not even. It's not even because I'm biased. I mean, I'm still. Not, I'm gonna keep it real. If LeBron deserved it, LeBron deserved it. But mm. the rest of that roster, compared to the dudes in in the West, like period. So you're telling me they had to play the Lakers when they still had Shaq and Kobe. Yeah, and, and the rest of that that monster squad four times. You figure in that and, time, bro. In that time, you had Shaq, Kobe, L.A. You had Tim Duncan with the Spurs. You had Kevin Garnett with Minnesota. You had Weber and Bibby and them guys in Sacramento. I'm I'm pretty. You had uh, Dirk and uh, Nash with the Mavericks. Um, like that Western Conference. That in that period in the mid 2000s, man. Like I know. Again, we all say the Western Conference is tough right now, but back then, and you played them teams four times a year, and you bring that team uh, to the playoffs as an eight seed. With Dre Miller and Vashawn Leonard, uh, come on, man! I, I don't. But I get yeah. it. I get it. The hype that LeBron came in, um, you know, in the league, being the first, uh, the first overall pick. Maybe some people were like, "Hey, man, how's he gonna be the first pick and not win the Rookie of the Year?" We, we like we we have to give it to him. But you know, I mean, I, I'm checking the record now to kind of see what you know what that was. They. Cleveland was 35 and 47. They were uh, fifth in their division. And I'm trying to find the numbers for you, but I'm pretty sure who we got here. I'm trying to see the numbers, but I, I I I can't even tell you who was on that. Tony Batie, Carlos Boozer. That was the roster that LeBron had in 03. Did he still had Larry Hughes too, right? Uh, I believe so. Uh, Kevin Ollie, Jeff McGinnis, Mateen Cleaves, Ricky Davis, DeWan Wagner, Eric Williams, Darius Miles, Ira Nubel, Jason Capono, Ilgoskis, Batiste, Sagana Jop. That was the Cavaliers. <laughs> that was the Cavaliers in 03-04, man. I feel bad for both Melo and LeBron now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's terrible, but but Melo Melo made the playoffs. That's I think that's the main argument fans would say 
that I mean, yeah, you can say from from the year after on, fans would say LeBron, but that one year, they both averaged the same points. LeBron averaged what more assists, and and Carmelo made the the, the playoffs, and they got I think I think they I think they got one game against Minnesota. Minnesota was the one seed that year, so they got one game, but still, and th- and this this is before Kmart got there, before Iverson got there, so. I don't know, man. I think I think that's the one rookie of the year that you could say Melo should have got. Yeah, I think he should have gotten that, man. Hands down. <laughs> I, mean, I I I I'm nah. I'm still at a loss for words at that one. That that one got me. He should he should have won that. Yeah. To this day. <laughs> yep, he should have. Um. So now we go to. I'm trying to go in a little order. I know Leighton was 02, but I give back to that in a second. Um, we go to Curry 09. Um, Davidson was the tenth, the tenth seed in that whole bracket. They go to the Elite Eight. He averages thirty-two a game. He made twenty-three threes in that whole tournament. They defeated Gonzaga, Georgetown, Wisconsin, and they lose to Kansas in the Elite Eight. And we all know the, we all know the impact he had um, in the NBA ten years later. But I bring it up because you know a lot of people were saying he's small, undersized. How would he do in the NBA? I, I, I think we all recall Doug Gottlieb saying that f- there are other guards in that draft better than Stephen Curry. And those were Ricky Rubio, Johnny Flynn. <laughs> hold up, there's more. Brandon Jennings, Patty Mills, and Jeff Teague. All pretty pretty good players. But he said all of those were better than Stephen Curry. And in hindsight now, they probably are not. So talk about that run with Curry and Davidson and now you're looking back at it now with those guards he mentioned and the impact that Stephen Curry has had in the NBA yeah I mean it's a magical run it was a great run but they didn't win it I mean true we gotta call it what it is they didn't make the final four and I mean I, I get it they put Kansas to the brink they pushed them to the brink and Matt you know in terms of individual like Yes, Steph was putting up numbers, but Steph was also like the only guy on the team. As as weird as it sounds, and that's why I was saying like the difference between the two is like Melo having the talent around him that wasn't that good. They still were like Big East players that, you know, picked and had different moments or like they had careers in the NBA at some point. You know, like Hakeem Ward did go to the NBA. It wasn't like he was the only player on the league that didn't. And Jerry McNamara could have won the most outstanding player, but, you know, I don't know. Nobody on that Davidson team besides Steph was going to the league at at all. At all. And at all. And, um, you know, they just had guys that did their role and a serviceable big man that just played defense and rebounded. There was nothing about that team that was saying, okay, like, you know, And Steph made everybody else good, but Steph was also ahead of his time, obviously. And, you know, going into the draft, he was one of those guys that I loved his game. I mean, just seeing him, like, pulling up from, you know, 25, 30 mm. with, with ease and also just saying, like, in terms of the, the draft order, I was, like, praying that the Warriors weren't going to get him. Of course, he goes to pick before the Knicks. Yep. <laughs> yep. But... He was the perfect player for Don Nelson. Like, Don Nelson, 
and that 07 team, if you if you look back at them, they were just running gun like you know pull up, you know pull up like re- reckless abandon. And Don Nelson, that was the kind of coach he was, and it was just like you know what, this is a perfect fit for Steph, and that's how he kind of got established in the league. And of course, the rule changes and like you know the league not being as physical and you know more spacing, it helps obviously with Steph. But in terms of just a skill set, though. I wouldn't. I would. I don't understand how other players were getting uh, more pub than Steph was, considering what he did with the talent he had around him. I I couldn't imagine other people being better than him. I mean, Johnny Flynn was a really good player, and you know he got he got buckets. But once again, like there aren't a lot of in terms of recent history, there aren't a lot of Syracuse guards that are consistently good enough to play in the league. You know, I, I can't. You know, I can't pinpoint a lot of point guards that were going to last or have a long career uh, that came out of Syracuse. You know, Andy Routens and Johnny Flynn and those kind of guys, you know, they, they had their cup of tea in the league and then they were out. So, you know, from a skill set, no one could shoot like him. No one can handle the ball like him. And he was a way better facilitator. Uh, I mean, he's a great facilitator now because he has so much talent around him on the Warriors. But mm. if you watch that tape or watch the tape uh, I specifically against the Georgetown team, he was just, I mean, backdoor cuts and making those type of passes to set up him driving to the lane. And, you know, he just went berserk, you know. So I'd have to say, uh, yeah, man, that. Woof. <laughs> nah, I, I would still have to. I'm still, I'm still going with Melo or Kemba ahead of stuff. As great as he was in college, they just didn't win it. I mean, right? That's just the biggest knock. <laughs> hey man, be, before, and and, yeah. and he passed up that last shot to uh, get to the final four. He made the right play, mm-hmm. but you know, at that point, bro, you the man. You got to put that up. Hey man, before this show is over, you got to pick one. Um, if I. If, <laughs> Um, do you, you mentioned Johnny Flynn? Do you, do you know how many years Johnny Flynn played in the in the NBA? I I know it. If I ain't funny, I I, I want to see if you know it. He played two years in the NBA. I got him down for three. But he was hurt. He got hit, like he injured his hip really badly his third year, I believe. Yeah, they got him down for hold up. Total twenty nine games in the in the the third year. Mm, yeah. All right. Yeah, three years. <laughs> and, yeah, and then and then that was it. It was like you you get him, you get Rubio, and then me as a Knicks fan wants to see Curry get picked by the Knicks, but the Warriors pick him, and then we get Jordan Hill. Jordan Hill. Um, from Arizona, yeah, oh boy, which is a, a different a different <laughs> story, but you know, just seeing seeing that run and um and seeing what he what he's been able to do now and just change the game as we know it and just you know arguably the greatest shooter of all time. Um, but while that's happening, and you hear names like Rubio and Flynn and Brandon Jennings and Patty Mills and Jeff Teague that. These are names that people are saying are better than Curry or could be, could be better than Curry because of, for whatever reason, height or whatever. Did you think that the, any of these guys were 
better than Curry when he was coming out? Uh, I was going to pick Teague. I, I fell in love with Teague when he was at Wake Forest just because I saw him play against Maryland. And there's a dunk he has against Maryland that's just crazy. Um, and athletically, I was like, this guy, you know, he he's a great athlete. He jumps through the gym. He had a pretty consistent mid-range shot. You know, he was just he was just killing. So I was looking at Teague like, okay, I'm I'm not gonna be like, oh no, Steph was gonna be better than all. Like, nah, I'm not gonna lie to you. I really thought Teague was gonna be that guy. Mm. Um, I mean, he was a serviceable player. He was pretty. He's pretty good, but he's not Steph. I mean. And Ricky, you know, Ricky's a great facilitator, great passer, but he was never much of a scorer. Um, and I liked him when I saw him play against USA in the Olympics. And I was like, okay, he can he can hang out, you know, because even Jason Kidd and, you know, Darren Williams were all saying the same thing about him. Like, you know, okay, yeah, this kid can hang out. Um, but, nah, I thought Teague was going to be – because he, so, he was just so athletic at Wake Forest, man. He mm. was – he was different. Right. So right now, I mentioned Mello and Curry. Right now, you have Mello above Curry, right? So far. Yeah. Okay. Now, we bring in Kimba. Um, they were the ninth seed in the Big East tournament. They were the third seed in the, in the, the March Madness tournament. And in the Big East, they, they beat the Paul, Georgetown, Pitt, Syracuse, Louisville. We all know the, the Pittsburgh game when the cardiac Kimba phenomenon yeah. <laughs> happened um, and then I, I remember you know I was working and I'm like man I, you know those games be always like 12 1 o'clock 2 o'clock and I'm like oh you can't put UConn now I get put on 7 9 o'clock I, I could be home for it but those games I recall that game with Pitt being early in the afternoon and I rushed for work right after that. I'm running to, to my job because that game was um, long. But he, he he did that move and it went in. It was like holy shit, man! This might be this might be that run where I'm not sure about the, you know the national title, but I think they can they can win the Big East, and they eventually did. And then they go to the tournament and they beat Bucknell, Cincinnati, San Diego State. Arizona, Kentucky, and Butler in the, the national championship. He wins the most outstanding player award. Kimba averages on a round off 24, 6, and 5. And they really went 11 and 0 from the conference tournament and the main tournament. And there you have Kimba, national champion with UConn. Um, now, I could see why you might say that that's the bigger run of all. Um, but when you look back at it, in, in real time did you think that what you were watching was going to be magical where Kimba from New York Soundview the Bronx is this this kid this, this dope phenomenon is going to lead his team to not only win the Big East but they're going to win the whole thing did you did, did you think they were going to win the whole thing no I thought they were going to lose to Kentucky um and I thought correct Matt, me if I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. John Wall and those guys were on Kentucky at the time, right? No, uh, that was the 2010 team. 2010, okay. Uh, the 2011 team. Who did they beat? Oh, UConn. 
Yeah. Cause I I thought I thought War was there, but again I could be wrong. Um, Cause I know they beat Kawhi. Okay, we had Brandon Knight, Terrence Jones, Deron Lamb. Yup, yup, yup. Yeah, they made okay. the final four. Yeah. All right, I got it. okay. All right. Yeah, I thought, and they had a uh, Josh Harrelson, the big man. Josh Harrelson, uh, yes. Yeah, so I thought, yeah, I thought they were gonna lose to that Kentucky squad. Mm. Um. I, I didn't think that they were going to win it. I was like, okay, you know what? Like, they had a great run. They, they had to have been tired. I mean, they won that. They, they had to have won nine straight games to win the national championship, you know? Right. Like, that's just, it's just nuts to do that in that period of time. But, um, you know, the thing is that people for that national championship game was horrible. <laughs> Like <laughs> there was no scoring, there was nothing that was like yeah. consistent on Nasty. either squad, and they just were like forcing the ball. You know, the bigs were doing a lot of the scoring. Um, Jeremy Lamb had a great game defensively and offensively. He had some great shots, but it wasn't like you know Kemba lit the world on fire in the national championship game. So it was like, you know, hey, I, the 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 things that they had to overcome to win all those games in a row, you know, I get it. I would say like, that's the biggest one, but in terms of individual, I don't, I don't know, man. Like he put the team on his back, uh, but they won a lot of ugly games. There were, there was like a lot of ugly, <laughs> a lot of ugly games during that run. Yeah. I mean, they were great defensively though. Mm. I think that's what really set the tone. Cause I mean, Shabazz, you know, it was a spark plug. Mm. Him and Kemba in the backcourt were really great. Um, it was just like they were they were just gnats, you know what I mean? And like Jeremy Lamb being long. And as I said, Alex Oriaki, he was a great big man. And they had um man, I'm trying to remember the other guy, the kid that they had, the power forward. But they they basically had just that starting five and, and one kid off of the bench. And that was it. It was just like defensively we're just gonna press have you you know get turned over turn over the ball and just you know Kemba Kemba just puts up the shot so you know I don't know man it's I, I like I like the overall thing that they had to overcome but I'm still rocking with Melo <laughs> I gotta oh, go with Melo um I, I mean Kemba's up there um just trying to remember me watching it that did, did I think UConn was going to win it, three seed coming into the tournament with the match. I think they were that UConn was a prime example of like getting hot at the right time. Sometimes mm -hmm. you may not be the best team, but you 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 just get so hot that no matter no matter who you play, they could be a one two seed, undefeated, don't matter. It just you you can't derail what they're doing. Everything is clicking and. Everybody's uh, um, healthy and everything, so I think that run was like no matter who it was—Pittsburgh, uh, Kansas, Kentucky, Butler—and and 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 that's the Butler team that um, lost a year prior, right to Duke. Yep. So now because Hayward was yeah. gone, Hayward was gone, and there they right. still had Matt Howard, their starting center, mm. and they had another kid. I think the shooting guard was still back from that other team. 
but they were they were the same way you know they were just pesky they were just like gnats you know but the UConn team also had four guys on that roster that went to the NBA you know like you gotta you gotta call it what it is regardless those kids still ended up going to the league respectively like whenever whatever time that they did go mm. NBA talent is NBA talent you know right. like eventually that'll come to fruition that's why i was just so shocked that that kentucky team lost to uconn so and, yeah and, and and those those were kimba jeremy lamb napier and who's the fourth i think alex went to the league for a little bit okay yeah i i, I would have thought i would i would have said him um but yeah, they all, they they go to the NBA, and then you look at the other rosters is like, like like you like you mentioned Melo earlier, you could say on paper of going to the NBA or not. Could you say Kimba had in hindsight now had the better roster than Melo in '03? Mm-hmm. So that's why Mello. that's why you would get the edge to Melo because you felt he did it with a lesser. Not saying not saying they're not good, but less a little lesser talent than UConn did in 2011. Yeah, and they uh, they were they were as they were well they played a zone defense. I mean, you can't. It wasn't like they broke that consistency, but they were as consistent throughout the entire tournament. I think the Texas game was like their you know they had an offensive explosion. And the first half of the Kansas game, they were giving it to them. You know, like, they Kansas made a crazy run towards the end to get it, uh, you know, down to, like, two at one point. But, um, yeah, I don't know, man. Just Mello, Mello and Hakeem Warwick, that's it. <laughs> Literally. Uh, you know, they had, a, they had a kid off the bench, too, that was really talented. They had a bunch of great college players that just did their role. You know, as I said, like, defensively, they were stout. They were smart. You know, Craig Forth was just this big, bruising center that just grabbed every rebound, and that was it. You know, there was no – there was nothing special about him that was like he would help stretch the floor or anything like that. Like, Alex was, you know, rim protector, ran the floor great, you know, was able to finish around the rim, and, you know, he was athletic. Other than that, you know, Jeremy Lamb and Napier and Kemba, I mean, those, those three out of the five starting five, they're great, they're great players. But Melo was it. <laughs> that was it, man. Because Hakeem wasn't scoring like that either. And since, you know, you're, you're a Duke fan, um, I'll be remiss to forget about Leitner, Christian Leitner <laughs> in 92, um, you know, winning back-to-back championships with Duke. And we know about that. The shot against Kentucky in the Elite Eight. I think he averaged 20 a game. I read somewhere he averaged 20 a game without taking more than 12 shots a game. And Mm -hmm. in that Elite game, he was 10 for 10 from the field and 10 for 10 from the free throw line. So he had a perfect game. And he's a two-time champion, uh, national champion. Um, I think he went to – how many national title games he went to? He went to three. He went to three and one, two. Okay. Um, so talk about it. I know we mentioned Curry, Kimba, Mello. I'm trying to get some some points for your man Leitner because you're a Duke fan. But the, how does that <laughs> how does that compete with Kimba and, and Carmelo? 
for a legacy standpoint, I mean, it's he's Christian Leighton is one of the greatest college basketball players of all time, but he also had as a loaded squad. You know, I'm a realist and like, you know, I'm 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 a Duke guy through and through, but I'm gonna keep it real that <laughs> the rest of that squad was filthy. I mean, Bobby Hurley was a bad dude. That was a that was like one of the best point well not the best point guard in college at that point because you know Kenny Anderson was out there but Grant Hill I mean come on and they also had they also had another Hill on their team uh T Hill the guy that was infamous about you know the the crying (laughs) guy but yeah he was a great defender and a lot of people don't remember you know the fact that he contributed to that team considerably as well so if you look at just the overall skill that 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 group of guys had, I mean that's one of the greatest teams of all time. It's not the greatest Duke team of all time, um, but Christian Leitner had a hell of a run, you know, for the college standpoint. But he he had a lot of talent to help him out. You know, it's not as Melo didn't have anything. You know, Kemba had a young Napier, had a young Lamb. Um, you know, and Alex was. You know, a pro as well, but you know, Leitner had a guy that's, or he had two. Well, Bobby Hurley's in the Hall of Fame for his college career, but you know, Grant Hill's a Hall of Famer. You know, he was supposed to be the next Jordan, and um, yeah, it's kind of. Oh man, I I love my Dukies. I love Christian Leitner, but he had a lot. He had a lot more to work with than uh, the other two guys did. Okay, so now, you know, we we, we went through all four. And also, you know, I would say Leighton had a pretty decent NBA career. You know, Minnesota, Atlanta, I forgot what other teams. He Washington. Was, uh, was, Washington. Yeah, I remember that Wizard roster with Jordan. Um, the Wizards, Atlanta, Minnesota, uh, I think he went third. He went third in that draft. Melo went third. Kimmel went... Where's Kim? He went ninth, and then Curry mm-hmm. went seventh. So now, now is your time to say, you know, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll give you a way out. The better team run and the better individual player run. So the better team run goes to Syracuse, Duke, UConn. Who you got? So I'm not counting Davidson. They did not win it. So UConn of eleven, Cuse in 03, or Duke in '92. Mm. <laughs> mm, I know. Tough one. Because when you say a team run. Well, I, 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 you know, I was trying to help you out because I think you're still kind of up and down with the player run. So maybe I, I was giving you a way out. Nah, well, <laughs> if we keep it, a, well, if we keep it a buck, like a team run. Come on, say it, say it. <laughs> nah, you know what's crazy? Because now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, Duke went back to back. True. Duke went back to back, and um, see, but that's it's just because when I think of team runs, like when I think of like, oh well. They had a like they had a crazy run, like a magical run. 
you know, Duke was like loaded. They were supposed to win, you mm. know, like right. a magical run for me is a team that's like not supposed to do <laughs> anything like that. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, Syracuse, I got it. <sighs> There's no way that Syracuse team beats Duke. You know, mm. like there's no way that Syracuse team's gonna beat Duke, and Melo just had him rolling. You know, Melo's Melo's killing at that time. I just the the overall magical run. Yeah, I gotta go with Syracuse. There's just because there's never gonna be a team with that type of talent that's gonna win a championship again. Hmm. Okay. Like if you look at the the last couple of national championships, you know, they they had they had guys that you know, they were number majority of them were like number 1 seeds. You know, they had they had guys that were, that they had teams that were loaded. So And also, I hate to say it, Mm-hmm. That, as I said before, that wasn't even the best Duke team of all time. So, so I wh- couldn't be like. So which was, which was ninety one? Oh, that that two nah that two thousand one Duke team hmm. is the best Duke team of all time. Hmm. Okay. I mean that two thousand that two thousand. From a town, ta- you know what's crazy? The 2000 team that didn't even win the championship, they lost to UConn. The 99-2000 team, talent-wise, mm. could be the best Duke team of all time, but they didn't win it. So I, I got to go with the 2001 because they had five NBA players on their team. No, six. So, wait, one, two... So they had Jay Will, Shane Battier, Mike Dunleavy, Carlos Boozer, Chris Duhon that made it to the NBA from that 01 Duke roster. Yeah. Wow. And, and then their backup, their backups were actually really good. Like they had Nate James, Casey Saunders. They had a they had a squad. That team was and Dante Jones was a red shirt who could have been eligible to play, but he couldn't. He was another. Yeah, so he was a sixth one. All right. Well, at least you're telling me the greatest Duke basketball team is 2001. They should have won it. You're saying it 2000. But you still haven't told me 92 Duke, <laughs> 03 Syracuse, 11 UConn. Or do you, or do you just want to tell me the, the best – run by a player was it late there was it nah, was nah. It the overall i think the best run by a team has to be the team's got to be syracuse because they just they as a team they weren't supposed to do that like oh man you got me man i don't know because <laughs> <laughs> there's an argument for all of them like Syracuse had only one NBA or one legit NBA player on that roster. Then the UConn squad went on a crazy run, which they needed to win the they needed to win the conference to get in. Mm. True, 
Very true. And the fact that Melo did this as a freshman, I think that right there, the missing key yeah. element. Yeah, and Melo did it as a freshman with Hakeem Warwick, who wasn't offensively. Like, Melo had the, the other backcourt guy he had was Jerry McNamara, who was a freshman himself as well. That's got to, yeah, it's got to be Syracuse, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, it's got to be that Q's team. Listen, man, I, like I said, you're not wrong if you say Syracuse. I'm not wrong if I say UConn. I, I really don't know because there's so many arguments, so many elements that you can say. Mellow freshman, but UConn wins its, it, it, you know, its conference tournament and then wins the national championship. So you go 11-0. and 0, And I think... If I'm wrong, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. This is probably before they added the the playing games, and not saying that would matter, but still, it's like, you know, I go eleven and zero, I win the most outstanding player, I get twenty four six and five, I win my Nash, my 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 Big East tournament as a, a a ninth seed in my own conference tournament. I mean, there is an argument. I think that the phenomenon of Kimba and and Carmelo. Are two two completely different ones. Um, we know what we we know what they eventually did or have done in their NBA career, but if you go back, I, I mean, it could be dead even. I I I, I you can't. I'll sit, give. Yeah, you can't sit there and tell me one better than the other. Syracuse, I would give Syracuse. You know what? No, no, no. I'm gonna give Syracuse the edge because Kemba already played in the Final Four. Before that run, he was on that Final Four team that went to Detroit, and they ended up losing to Michigan State. Hmm. And he went to a Final Four already, and they had like Jeff Adrian, they had like Craig Austry, they had um oh my goodness uh, Hashim Thabit, that squad. Yeah. He was on that team, so. He already experienced the Final Four from that standpoint. Mm. And he was what? And Kemba was what, a junior when he declared? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So he experienced the Final Four as a freshman, didn't win a championship, then won one as a junior. And yeah, his run's crazy and everything like that. But Melo was a freshman who the next leading scorer on the team was a freshman. <laughs> Wait, 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 time, time, time. You, you said 2010 UConn was in the Final Four? They went to the Final Four. Kemba's freshman year, I believe. Okay, so so that must have been 09. Not yeah, because you because UNC won the championship that year. UNC beat Michigan State. Michigan State beat UConn in 2009. Okay, so when you mentioned the year before, I'm looking at 2010. You have Michigan State, Butler, West Virginia, and Duke. That was the final four for that year. Yeah, but I'm saying like Kemba already experienced going to a final four. And he was like a seasoned veteran going on that run. You're right. 20, 2009, they lost to Michigan State. Yep. Okay. And then Michigan State lost to UNC. Right. But I'm going to... Yeah, I got to give it to Syracuse because Melo had three other fresh, two other freshmen with him. He was one of three freshmen on that squad. Hakeem Warwick was a sophomore. 
and Not yeah, that's the it. Freshman, they have right? one senior. Yeah. Wow. Listen, man, I I think it could be Syracuse. I think for for the most part, I think there are there's there's a lot of Carmelo Anthony fans out there. Um not sure if there's more Melo fans than Kimba. I'm 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 a big fan of both. But to see what they did in that time and just create this phenomenon and we, you know we we've seen it you know here and there like now you know now current day Zion Williamson Duke it's just like a, a a cultural phenomenon in, in in college basketball will they win the conference tournament will they win the national title and he's a freshman so he could be the next Carmelo Anthony of winning being a freshman win your your, your conference tournament and then win your national championship and then go to to the NBA so you know, they mellow and these guys kind of again. I'm only talking about the more modern current. I'm pretty sure there's this other runs like I mentioned with Magic and Danny Manning. I that's just b- before our time, so no, yeah. no disrespect to those guys. But as far as like the more modern, recent current era, I think it comes down to um, you know, Leitner is still in that 20 uh, 92, so that's wow, 20. Oh boy, twenty-seven years ago, Jesus Christ! Man. <laughs> we're getting old, man. That's we're getting crazy. old. <laughs> um, and then Kimba uh, Mello was 03, so that's sixteen years ago. Kimbo, uh, Kimba's already what eight, nine-year vet. Jesus. So time is going, man. But those, you know, that's making me and you at some point in time gonna go back and watch those those national title games and see like holy shit Mello with the braids thin Kimba this and kind of see like how they you know what I'm gonna give you one better though because Mello Mello beat you know you know what's crazy I would say that because nobody on that Butler team that UConn beat that game went to the NBA the Kansas team that Melo beat had three NBA players, I believe. I think it was Kirk Heinrich. Kirk Heinrich, Nick Collison. Nick Collison. Oh, who's that third? Who's that third? Um, gonna, I'm going to find it for you. No, right Drew now. Gooden already declared. Drew Gooden was gone. Nick Collison, Kirk Heinrich, Keith Langford, Aaron Mills, Wayne Simeon. Wayne Simeon went. Okay. He went to the Heat, I believe. Mm, yeah, he definitely did. Yep. So, so yeah, that so that helps your argument that Melo as a freshman and his roster beat five potential NBA players compared to Kimba beating really nobody who was on that roster on on Butler. Yeah, because the hardest the hardest squad that they had to beat was that Kentucky team. If you really look at it, like if you look at the numbers. If I think, if you really look at, yeah, because Texas, Texas wasn't, you know, they didn't, they only had TJ Ford. Mm. Right. Because Manhattan didn't have anybody. Auburn had two guys, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Auburn had two NBA players, mm. but um, yeah, Kansas had five, bro. Yeah, they had five. Yeah, 
So that helps your argument with, with Syracuse and Melo. And for the record, I, I like both. I think both are. I love. I, I love. love both. Well, yeah, I love Kemba. You know, like that's my guy. I'm not gonna, you know, but yeah, man. I don't know, bro. <laughs> just Melo just had to do with like five NBA players on a team like that was coached by Roy Williams. That they were in the Final Four the year prior, I believe. Or two years, something crazy, because they had Drew Gooden when they went. Mm. Or can we just say Carmelo and Kemba, Syracuse, UConn are both the greatest of the modern era, recent era, the greatest runs in college basketball? Yeah, I I put them in the top three. Yeah, like in terms of like like magical Cinderella runs. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to put them there. They both won it. Because it's before our time. The greatest one is definitely 85 Villanova. That's the greatest one. Mm-hmm. But but in terms of modern time, there's no but I mean, those two teams had to deal with two on two separate sides of the spectrum. Like UConn needed to win 11 games in a row, but Melo needed to beat Five NBA players. (laughs) Five NBA players for the chip. And he hurt his back in that game, too. He was hurt the whole second half. He hurt his back during the Texas game, and then he got hurt during the first half of the Kansas game. So I'd put them both both on the, the same you know they're on two separate sides of the spectrum, but they're both on the same platform. That's you're not going to see that from from either type of team because I don't see another team winning 11 games in a row like that. Because the last one to do that was VCU, or they got close. They ended up losing the Final Four because mm-hmm. they were a playing game. But VCU once again, like they had hella flaws, like. You know, defensively, they're great, but there's nobody talent-wise that I could say, oh, they were super nice. You know what I mean? Like, Right. So I would, I would say kind of real quick, if you can, school me on why Villanova, 85. I, I, I know I've seen it, heard about it. I just haven't really did the research, but why Villanova, 85, in your, in your opinion, the greatest college basketball run ever? By a team because they were, they were, they were double digit seed. Uh, they had one great. I'd say they had one great player in Ed Pickney. Um, but the teams that they had to beat in order to get there, like you know, every team that wins a championship, you know, they have some crazy story behind it. Like NC State beating Houston, you know what I mean? Like they weren't supposed to do that. But they, you know, they won it, obviously. But 85, they were double digit. They were in the same predicament. Like, they had to, you know, win. They had to win out everything, obviously. And then once you get to the tournament, you can't lose. So, you know, that was like the most magical run. You know, that they, they they went through this whole state. I'm trying to remember. Because that, that was when the Big East was the Big East, too. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, so... 
I'm trying yeah, to find Yeah, I would say right that now. 85 squad had the most magical run, you know, like the greatest run because being a double-digit seed and having to win, they did similar to what Kemba did, but they were always the lowest seed. Like there was never, like they never had anything that was favored. At least like UConn was favored against Butler at one point. So I have it. Villanova was the eighth, the eighth seed in 1985. They beat Dayton, Michigan. Oh, they weren't. A du- I thought they were double digit. Okay, yeah, they're eighth. Yeah. So they beat Dayton, Michigan, Maryland, North Carolina in the the semis. Then we get to the Final Four. They beat Mem- Memphis State. And then they beat Georgetown in the finals. Who had Patrick Ewing right. and like and John, Uptown John Freddie Thompson. Brown? Yeah. <laughs> like Hoya Paranoia, man. Like that was <laughs> Yeah, they were paranoid, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um I mean, yeah, I that that's that's gonna, you know, be more research for me going back to eighty five and checking that out. Um But you know, that that makes me wanna watch college basketball more or, or go back into that, that that time to really educate myself and you know be more of a college basketball fan and, and not not just be a fan of like somebody doing real good right now that I'm gonna watch all that all you know all their games and then that's it like I, you know someone like me you know and, and, and my brother really watches East Coast teams West Coast teams it doesn't matter and they know these guys before they even come out so um, yeah but like I think this time frame for me, um, are, are you know is is a great time frame for me to be a college basketball fan even nowadays. But you know like your guys Zion and other players, Bobo from Oregon. So it's like a lot of people that we know um, are are really doing their thing. But you know I think you know sometimes you you don't want to forget some of those great moments. And with me with college basketball. Those that mellow time, that Kimba time, um, the Fab Five time, the Shaq, and all that. Those were pretty, really the prime meat of like why I am a college basketball fan. You know? Yeah, I mean they were all great. It was a great time to watch that the game too. So if I like, ask I you, think, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was gonna ask you real quick. Now knowing what you know now, and with Melo coming out in 03, Kimba in eleven. Curry 09 and of course later in, in 92 would you how would you redraft those drafts so if, if I, I I actually like let's say okay LeBron went number one in 03 I think you would mm-hmm. still I think you would still take LeBron number one um, yeah Melo went third I think you would pick Melo now Melo, Bosch and Wade back to back to back who would you pick second knowing what you know now would you pick Melo, Chris Bosh, or Dwayne Wade? I go Melo still. I I love Dwayne Wade, and he's the second greatest shooting guard of all time. And second, wait, hey, 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 nah, hey, nah, hey. nah. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I I'm knew about, you were gonna I'm say that. To say, I'm about to stop this <laughs> shit right I'm now. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no I'm Kobe slander here, buddy. Because some some Kobe fans gonna come over there. <laughs> <laughs> no Kobe slander yeah. on here. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, Mello, I hope yeah, everybody Mello. knows out there. I was joking about that. I just wanted mm, to get and yeah. I was riling people up. Nah, but I like 
I love Wade and what he's done for the game, but um, if Melo goes to, and that's the crazy thing, if Melo goes to Detroit, the narrative of his legacy is completely different. Because he, he definitely would have had a ring by now. Or maybe two. You know? Like, but in terms of the skill set and what they could do, I mean, Melo's the hardest matchup in the league at that at that point. I mean, like, you know, he you can't put a big on him, he goes by him. He put someone small, he had post-up moves. Like, mid-range jump shot, automatic. Could put the ball on the floor. Like, Melo is just, Melo's special, man, you know? So, I'd put I'd, Darko, I don't know. I don't know, man. That so, just, tell me, so, tell me, so he, he would have, and, and I think I know the answer, but he would have been drafted by Detroit with Chauncey there already, with Rip Hamilton there already, with Tayshawn Prince already there. I know they got Rasheed in the trade later, later on with Atlanta. So, you mean to tell me they would have had Chauncey, Carmelo, Rip, Tayshawn Prince on that roster? Yeah. Holy shit. Yes, I, I would say Melo would at least had. Melo, Melo, Melo would have won at least that following one. year. Because they, the, they won it the year he got drafted. That's the crazy thing. And Darko didn't even play that year because they had Mehmet Okor. Mehmet Okor, wow. That's a throwback name for you. Bro, they had... That squad, you know what? I'm getting mad just thinking about it. <laughs> Darko didn't touch the floor. And got a ring. And got a ring. Yo, mellow, wild, wild, rip. wild, wild stuff, man. It's just nuts because, yeah, Mamet Okor was the backup center. They still had Corliss Williamson. Who else did they have? I'm trying to find it right now. They. They had, well, I know Rasheed came later, so I'm not going to count that yet, but they had Chucky Atkins, Chauncey, Eldon Campbell, Hubert Davis, Darvin Han, Rip Hamilton, Lindsey Hunter, Mike James, Darko, Mehmet, Tayshawn, Bob Sura, Ben Wallace, Corliss Williamson. Bro. And then, then they got Rasheed in the tree with, with uh, Atlanta. Come on, bro. <laughs> Carmelo would have been a champion already. He would. They probably would have had two. Uh, I, I, well, at least because they went to back to back, and you imagine that that roster with Melo and against San Antonio. That that may not even go seven. They want they exactly. They went seven against San Antonio, and at that point. What Darvin Ham was gone. Darko didn't even play in that series a lot either. But tell me, tell me, tell me, Ron, real quick before I get upset. Why would Detroit? What What was the the thinking behind Detroit taking Darko over Carmelo? His workout. Well, Darko was, you know, Darko had the hype. Plus, his workout from people, even people that I've spoken to have said that, you know, that was, like, legendary. Like, he, he went, he barely missed any shots. He could put the ball on the floor. He was over here hitting threes, you know, seven foot, 
could run the floor. So when you see that, you're thinking, oh, this guy is nice. And then apparently, like, you know, five, you know, five to ten practices in, Larry Brown was just like, oh, nah, this isn't going to work. <laughs> like, this, this kid needs a lot of work. And um, That's amazing, man. It's nuts, dude. Like, I just – and I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like, I was, biting, I was biting into the hype, too. Like, I bought into it because, I mean, shoot, you, you hear about this kid, seven foot, coming from Serbia, just putting up numbers. And I'm like, all right, you know, he, he, he sounds worth it if you're that big. Mm-hmm. And he had a skill set that, you know, was ahead of his time technically, too. You know, there weren't a lot of pick-and-pop dudes that were, like, in the league like that. So, I don't – you know, it's just – man. I think I think that's one of the major what-ifs in the modern era. Like, I had a show about a month ago, like, what if Tim Duncan would have went to Orlando with Grant Hill and, and T-Mac and, um, and what if Grant Hill would have stayed healthy in, in Orlando? That would have been the first big three of the modern era. That's a major what if. I think Carmelo not, not Carmelo not getting drafted by, by Detroit is another major what if because Carmelo could have been a multiple-time champion. He would have been an all-star. And the, and the narrative would have been that that 03 draft class, four of the top five have a title with LeBron, Bosch, and Wade and Melo. And now people look at Melo now, oh, he's, you know, a ball hog. He don't pass the ball. All he does is shoot. He doesn't have a ring. He doesn't know how to win. He's not a leader. And like you said earlier, that narrative would have changed. If he had one title, just one title, yeah, just one. Just one. Then we're not here to talk about Melo with the negative stuff, which I don't, but it's people love to get on Melo for some reason and I don't see it. I don't get it. It's been like that for quite some time. And you know, again, man, if he had one chip, you know, nobody nobody talking shit about Melo if he had one chip. Yeah, he just you look at and also if he's on Detroit that Detroit team would have definitely deterred. Because remember, Wade didn't win a championship until 06. Right. And if you look back at the time, because I, I believe Ben Wallace left Detroit to go to Chicago as a free agent. And Detroit had Flip Saunders as the coach when all of that was breaking down. Mm. So... Who's to say, like, even if Ben Wallace did leave and, you know, Melo stays, they still had that core intact. Like, does Wade get, you know, does Wade, I mean, that Miami team was great, but does Wade get to the finals maybe? You know, like, because there was other roadblocks. You know, you still had Cleveland. You still had, you would have had Detroit with Melo. There's like, you know, there is a lot of, like, what ifs to that. Yeah. Um. So you would draft LeBron one, Melo two. Where would you draft? I guess you would draft Wade above Bosch. Yeah. And then Bosch would be four. Um, real quick. Uh, all right. Go to 09. Blake went one. Harden went three. Tyreek Evans went four. Rubio five. We know Curry went seven. DeRozan nine. Jennings ten. 
Drew Holiday, 17, Jeff Teague, 19. Those, those were the notables. So now I would assume, well, I can't assume. Who would you take number one, Curry or Harden? Curry, right? Curry. And then number two would be what, Harden or Blake? Yeah. <laughs> ah, see? Not that easy. What team picked second that year? I don't even uh I don't even know who picked second that year. Oh, let me go back. Um I mean it depends on yeah, it depends on the team who what they were going to. You know what I'm saying? Like I couldn't Cause as good as Blake was on Los Angeles, he's been like thriving. Uh, Memphis with uh Hashim Th- uh Th- Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Memphis. Hashim uh, to beat. Yeah. So, would you take Harden or Blake with the second pick? Uh, with Memphis, I'd flip a coin. I'd probably, I would, uh, mm, you could flip a coin with that one because neither one of them's like great defenders. Mm. Memphis was just a defensive team. Yeah. So... I mean, knowing what we know now and how the game is going, yeah, I guess you'd have to pick Harden. And then Blake third? Yeah. All right. Um, real quick, 2011, we, you know, we've been talking about Kimba. Kyrie went one. As far as notables, Kimba went nine. Klay Thompson, 11. Kawhi Leonard, 15. Uh, Vucevic, 16. Jimmy Butler, 30. And Isaiah Thomas, 60. So mm. would you still take Kyrie at number one? Mm, yeah. Okay. Where where would you pick Clay and Kawhi and Kimba? That's it. Oh boy. You're gonna get me in trouble. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I'm just saying, like what you see. You know now, what's crazy? I would say Kawhi goes two. Okay. And then what? Kimba or Clay or Jimmy Butler? Uh, you know. Nah, Ka- Kawhi, Kyrie, Kawhi, Kemba, Clay, Jimmy. Okay. And for your man, because you're a Duke fan, Christian Layden went third, Shaq went one, Alonzo went two, and Notables. Uh, Gugliata six and Spreewell twenty four. So I think Shaq <laughs> will still it. be one. You keep it that way. Keep it. Keep it the same. Keep it. Yeah. Nah, but hold on. I'll take Spreewell before Gugliata. Tom Gugliata was ooh. I know he, he he was he was pretty good. He was pretty nasty. But nah, yeah. You know what? Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Well, one, one, two, and three. One, two, and three stay the same. Okay. Spreewell goes ahead of Gugliata. All right. I'm about to say it because <laughs> Spree. <laughs> yeah, I know. Gugliata's nice, yeah. but, you know, I don't think he was better than Spreewell. But, um, Dave, man, always appreciate it. Um, love talking NBA and college basketball with you. Uh, an- an- another great episode I did with you. Um, you can find Dave on Twitter at DavidZenon1 and on Instagram at I am David. Zidon, um, trainer for both NBA and college athletes. Dave, my man, always appreciate it. 
My man, thank you so much for having me. All right, man, take it easy. You too, bro. All right.